As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Time, your go-to Newcastle United podcast from The Athletic. I'm Taylor Payne and we're dispensing with the formalities today because this is a little bonus episode. Uh, We'll reflect on the transfer deadline day in a little while, but first... Trippier. Right for Longstaff, what a moment for Isaac! Announcing the arrival of Alexander Isaac! Sorted out, red defenders in his wake, Liverpool nil, Newcastle 1. What a chance for 2-0, what a debut this is proving to be. But the offside flag denies him, his second goal. Oh, fine margins again, off the back of Joe Gomez. Liverpool get lucky. Oh yes, indeed, Alexander, Isak, George and Chris, it's nice to be back. How the devil are the two of you? Are you all right, George? Yeah. You had a bit of trouble last week, didn't you? I'm, I'm all right, did I? <laughs> yeah. What? I heard the last 30 seconds of the podcast, don't worry. Oh yeah, well look, we missed you Taylor, we did miss you, that gives me some pain to say that. Anyway, how are you? Yeah, we're alright, how are you doing? I'm alright, yeah, I'm recovering, I'm, I'm, I'm delergified, if that's even a word. I'm, well, I'm pleased to hear that, it's Chris that I'm really worried about, because I, I got a couple of SOSs from him um, on his way to Anfield this week, and I did, I did worry, I worried slightly. Firstly, it was, I can't find my hotel, so it's like, <laughs> Standard right? Chris. So there was a bit of there was a bit of that. We had to we had to talk him through Google Maps, and for some reason he had to check in somewhere that his hotel wasn't. I didn't understand, and then I got another plaintive message from him. I've just squirted deodorant into my own face. <laughs> so 
I hopefully Chris has recovered from that. You all right, Chris? Oh, uh, tr- Chris. Tr- true, true stories. But now today, today is one of my two favourite days of the year, and that's the day after transfer deadline day. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That's, uh, so I'm feeling better because of that. Yeah, it's like Christmas, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Yes, it really is. Except with any of the joy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris has done a, in particular has done an absolutely fantastic job covering the ins and outs of the window uh, over the summer. So big well done to Chris. Very proud of you. Absolutely, Chris. Well, shall we crack on, chaps? Let's do it. We've got a little bit to get through in this little extra bonus episode. Let's start with the big story, eh? Alexander Isak uh, wowed us on his debut uh, at Anfield. Uh, a club record signing, Chris, and a real statement from Newcastle United. It was, and I mean, in terms of that performance, what a way to introduce yourself to <laughs> the Premier League and more importantly to Newcastle United and Newcastle United fans. I mean, he was he was excellent, certainly during, during the first half. It turned out afterwards he'd actually picked up a bit of a dead leg during the first half as well. Um, and then, I mean, at first, the way he takes, the, the, the way that he presses the ball, his pace, he really unsettled Joe Gomez and Virgil van Dijk, the way mm, that he was yeah. he was harrying them. And then the way that he, he, he finished that goal was just absolute aplomb. A brilliant ball from, from, from Sean Longstaff. What a confident finish. The way he, he finished what... both goals, Chris. Both well, goals. Yes, both goals. yes, absolutely. It was yes. an instinctive finish, wasn't it? It was just it, first time. No, didn't have to touch and set himself or anything. Just let the ball run across him and bang, uh, and right in the roof of the net as well. And, and he's a very confident young man, isn't he? He is, and for, for that one touch finish, that's something Alan Shearer in, in an article on the Athletic, looking at Isak before the game, it sort of said that he he loves a sort of one touch finish. That's the way he likes to finish it. And so I, my my job on on Wednesday essentially is I watched. Isak for the entire time he was on the pitch and exactly what he did and what he brought and it was it was fascinating to see and he has brought a different element to Newcastle the fact that he's he's like this tall rangy striker yeah. six foot three six foot four but he's not like massively built he's sort no. of gangly in many ways but he's very quick off the mark um he's very he's very tactically aware there was times where he was sort of shouting at both Almiron and Fraser because they weren't pressing as he wanted to press and you can see what he's sort of bringing to the team in that sense and so yeah it was it was what a what what an introduction and and hopefully more to come at St James's Park this weekend a very modern forward is what you describe that as I think wouldn't you Chris it's sort of yes he does have that physicality in terms of his height but he's just comfortable on the ball comfortable tactically uh, fluid can play kind of across the front three and um, yeah no but just so incredibly encouraging and brilliant that he's off the mark straight away takes takes a lot of the pressure off um, but part of a overall part of a really good performance there it was a shame that the, the second goal was ruled out for offside because it would have been one of the great debut goals, wouldn't it? If he'd, if he'd managed to notch that, the way he danced around those two defenders as if they weren't there and, and left them on their asses. I mean, these are good, solid Premier League players that he's going past like that. And, and it, the confidence that he showed and the touch and the deftness of foot was, was just beautiful, wasn't it, George? It was like, oh my God, this, this boy's got something. Yeah, exactly. You know, has a has a bit of everything, and you know, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will discuss some of the sort of controversy about the about the match. But just you know, you want your signings, your new signings, to settle in um, as quickly as possible. And he was he played as if he'd always been there. I mean, that was the you know you sort of wonder how will he cope? How will he cope at Anfield? How will he cope against arguably the best centre half in the world? Will he get knocked about a bit? And it was like he's he's always been there. It was the opposite. He caused them problems. So just very encouraging, very encouraging for the future, but also, you know, also for now too. 
A few surprises with the starting lineup as well, Chris. This week it was a, a, an interesting starting eleven. Obviously, Eddie Howe's hampered massively by injuries, and we're missing some of our key players. But uh, there was a few other changes that I think people weren't quite expecting as well. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of those ones who were missing, Newcastle were really without three of the best players. They're their three best players. Bruno Gimaraes was wasn't there in midfield. No. Uh, Alan Saint Maximan and no Callum Wilson, and yet they still managed to put in the performance that they did. But the big calls that that Howe made before the game, which I think on social media at least there was quite a lot of controversy about, was Jamal Lascelles was uh, brought in along yeah. to, to to partner Dan Byrne at centre back, and Fabian Scher and Sven Botman were rested to the bench. But I thought that the the both of them, Byrne in particular, but I thought both of them. Him and Lascelles played very, very well. I thought they were very unfortunate. I know you can the ins and outs of, the, of Liverpool's winning goal you can bring in, but I think that how made the call and actually it worked for a large part. I thought defensively the team was excellent. No Wilson, no Saint Maxima, no Bruno, and to go to Anfield to to perform like that, I you know I just think is so uh, is so encouraging. I mean, I feel like there's still something missing from my personality at the minute because although. You know, my initial reaction to, to to losing in that way was one of sort of you know great annoyance and irritation and frustration and all that. But really, pretty soon after that, I'd kind of calmed down and just feel that sort of sense of pride that Newcastle are going and positivity that Newcastle are going to Anfield and putting in a performance like that. Yes, of course, they're hanging on at the end as you would expect against you know a world class football team in a brilliant raw stadium and they're giving everybody a game at the moment That's yeah. and it doesn't matter whether players come out in the past losing one of Wilson St Maxima or Bruno if he'd been at the club would have been seen as terminal but Newcastle are finding a way not just to cause other teams problems in terms of how to get past them but causing them offensive problems as well and so again my my sort of reaction my reaction to, to that defeat was just one of great encouragement that they are now already in a position where they're being competitive and finding a way to compete. So perhaps, Taylor, maybe I should come on to you. Maybe we should reverse this a little bit because what I I would still like, I would still like a good old-fashioned grumpy (laughs) rant about what happened at Anfield. I feel too positive. I don't know what's wrong with them. I still don't know. But come on, you know, let's have a defence of Eddie's time-wasting shithousing mags, please. Come on. I'll be honest. After I, I, when the final whistle went, and after they scored that second goal, I was just completely deflated. It took me a little while to get my head around the fact that actually we'd gone there and we'd played well. And I think it wasn't until probably midday, um, the day after the game, that I, I started to think, you know, we, actually we did really well there, and, and, and the team have fought really hard because I was so wound up about the way that Jurgen Klopp went on and the way his players went on after the game, and honestly. To, to to quote our great friend Kevin Keegan, I would have loved it if we beat them that day. The honestly, the I I understand. I I kind of get on board with the time wasting thing because we did slow the game down an awful lot. There was players going down injured, and there was players rolling over left, right, and centre. Joe Linton kicking the ball away twice. Jacob Murphy kicked the ball away. I totally get that. I don't, for the life of me, understand where the extra time came from. I cannot get my head around why there was nearly 98 minutes played. Now, I know people have gone into the minutiae of this and they've started looking at timings and why Nick Pope sat down for 90 seconds and then the ball went out for a goal kick and all that. Absolute bullshit. 
I know it's a minimum of 95 minutes that they play, but to score nearly 98 minutes in injury time, it just felt like it was nailed on and that they were going to play for as long as it took. It, it, it frustrates me so much. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm very much enjoying the the rand. I just want to first. The, first of all, I think I was surprised that he only gave five minutes to be on to begin with. To be honest, I thought the fourth official would give more because Liverpool making such a thing about the tactics. But that's by the by. He didn't he give five minutes? But there would been a lot made about the fact that when Newcastle broke and Joe Linton crossed the ball in, and Addy Howe was asked about this this morning at his press conference, and it was interesting because Howe was basically like, I'm not going to criticise any of no. my players for trying to want to win a game. Yeah. He's like, that's the mentality I want in them. And actually, more of an issue for me is, you might not have seen this on the TV, but I was watching Andre Mariner just before Liverpool won the corner. Newcastle actually had the ball just outside their own box and gave it away to Liverpool. And Mariner was, looked like he was just about to put the whistle yeah. to his mouth. Liverpool immediately won, shot straight away, and then he pointed to the corner. So that was actually more of an issue in Newcastle managing it there. They gave the ball away, and they, and they did that a, a couple of times before that. There was a couple of straight clearances where they hadn't got rid of the ball. And Howe admitted this morning that he was disappointed with the last two minutes. He was so happy with the first 95. Yeah. But as well as the added minutes being there anyway, Newcastle sort of lost their way a little bit. They lost that shape that they had before. I don't want players running the corner at 1-1. I'm sorry, but I don't. If you've got a chance to score a goal, you go for it. And the cross that Joe Linton put in was absolutely wonderful wonderful as well and if Anderson rattles it in the top corner you know it, 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 it's a different story yeah but I haven't got a problem with that I think there's two things to say about that though Taylor because if you know if you are if you are slowing the game down which Eddie Howe admitted that they that they were there has to be that bit of game management as well and that's I mean on on the BT commentary the commentator said oh here, here comes Joe Linton almost certainly taking the ball into the corner at this point I mean you know, I, th- I, th- I think that's a sort of, you know, if, if you have been trying to slow it down at that point, do you not just accept what you've got? I mean, I love the idea of going all out for a win, but I'm not sure that was in keeping with sort of everything else that 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 happened. I mean, I would also say about Klopp, I mean, I love I love Klopp. I love what he's done for Liverpool as a new, completely as a neutral. One of the things I liked, actually, I mean, he was going completely mental on the on the touchline. From a Newcastle perspective, I didn't like that. But I did like the fact that both benches were going at each other. and <laughs> yeah. um, Throwing water know, bottles I, around and all sorts. I, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty sure Liverpool fans would probably say something similar about Jason Tindall. You know, but I just, I love the kind of pantomime of that. Mm. But really what I loved was that Newcastle was so under Liverpool's skin. Yeah, absolutely. And they yeah. were at Anfield, as Chris said, not just going there and lying down, not just playing for uh, a narrow defeat, not just playing, getting everybody behind the ball. I know by the end they d- they didn't have very much possession because of Liverpool tearing at them, but this was a very different Newcastle. It was Newcastle trying to sort of set the tone, set the agenda their way. It doesn't have to be Liverpool's way. And so all of that, you know, all of that stuff at the end, it was kind of very messy and it was very frustrating and very annoying, but I loved it. One of the things I found bizarre, and I haven't really seen it in a way ground other than when Newcastle have played Sunderland and possibly Middlesbrough, was that Newcastle were booed off. And that was how said after the game that he took it almost as a compliment. He said, I wouldn't want to yeah. be applauded off by the opposition. But it was really, really odd because it was it was the majority of Liverpool fans who were still there, or a significant proportion. It wasn't just a few fans. Like Newcastle were properly booed down the tunnel. Anfield was rattled, and it was rattled throughout the game because Newcastle did frustrate them and really did upset them. What rhythm. do they want? What do they want? Do they want us to just... Do they want us to turn up in a nice side part and in a cardigan and go, there you go, there's nine goals. 
like Scott Parker did the week before. It's not going to happen, is it? You can boo all you want. Jesus, honestly. Come on, you shithouses. Come on, so Eddie, shithouses. It's like, what Love do you it. want? Like, what? what's the... If they'd gone away to Man United or Man City and done that exact same thing, they wouldn't have been bothered. I'll tell you another thing as well. If it wasn't for the five substitutes rule, we would have won that game or we at least would have got a point. If it hadn't been... If it had been three subs for each team, we would have got a point. I'm telling you now. Definitely. Arseholes. Right. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add before we move on, chaps? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't forget, listeners, you can subscribe to The Athletic at the special price of just £1 a month for the first six months. To claim that offer, go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and get access to all of our great writing as well as ad free versions of The Athletic's podcasts. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Sign up now. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Right then, chaps, uh, a quiet deadline day for, for Newcastle United. Not as drastic as this time last year, but we were hoping for at least one loan. George, the, the top clubs, they seem to be quite reluctant to give us loan deals at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that's something that Chris and I have written about in our big piece inside the transfer window, um, which is up on The Athletic for people to have a look at. And that was one thing that people we spoke to at the top of the club said, that in spite of the fact that Newcastle actually do have pretty decent relationships with some of the bigger clubs. You know, we saw Amanda Staveley and Murdad Gadusi at the Chelsea game recently. Um, that those clubs are seeing Newcastle as a as a threat, as a potential rival, as a potential competitor. Now, I'm not saying that means necessarily this season, but this season and beyond. And so, you know, they did try to get Chelsea players. They did try to they did look at Ainsley Maitland Niles, for example. And I find that kind of very interesting that um, you know, Arsenal were prepared to let Maitland-Niles go to Southampton, but not to Newcastle. And again, that might be disappointing for us in the short term. But if you can take a step back from that and look at it a bit longer term, um, I think that's you know, I think that's pretty remarkable and quite encouraging. And Eddie Howe was asked about that, Chris, wasn't he, at his uh, press conference before the Crystal Palace game? He was, yeah. And he said he was asked basically, did he did did Newcastle find it difficult to get domestic clubs to deal with them? And he said, that's true. I would say so. That was definitely something we felt in the market. Domestic clubs didn't want to be seen to be helping us. We'll have to take that. That is part of where we are at the moment. And later on, he basically said that 
anything domestically, teams will put the price up if it's Newcastle. He says that's the case around the world, but it's even more so domestically, and they're basically walked away from deals because of it. And that is the, we've talked about it before, the so-called Newcastle tax, Saudi tax, whatever you want to refer to it as. That is even more pronounced, I think, in the Premier League at the moment with with quite a few of the deals Newcastle have tried to do this summer. It's interesting, isn't it? The window is... Some people are are still looking at the window in a fairly negative light and saying that we've left ourselves uh, short in certain areas, but... They have stretched to buy Alexander Isak, haven't they, George? And, and obviously Yasser Al-Ramayn was at the game, the City game, uh, when Callum Wilson got injured. And, and and they've made a statement. They've gone out and they've spent a record transfer fee. Yeah, and again, that was something that uh, that we've spoken about for this piece. I mean, I thought that was um, I thought that was very interesting that the chairman was there. Callum Wilson comes off injured. They've you know it's a, a great game, great performance, and the feeling was that Al-Ramayn said. You know, he wanted to quote do something big um, that would bring some positivity to the team. Mm. They spoke after that game. The transfer committee, the decision was unanimous that they would go after Isak, who had been top of the list um, earlier on in the year at the start of the window. A bit before, it looked like he was out of their league, certainly in terms of uh, finances. And you know, possibly at that stage, he might have had a bit of reluctance to join Newcastle. But one of the things about Newcastle is that they're very, very persistent. They're persistent in selling their story. They've been persistent in playing well and winning. And whether you look at people like uh, Sven Botman, Bruno, Isak fits that same category of player who isn't going to be paid an absolute fortune at Newcastle in relative terms, you know, compared to the top six, isn't going to be in Europe, certainly this season. Um, but selling selling the big idea of what the club is trying to do. And they went after him, and they that did involve a changing of tack, a changing of direction because of the because of the Wilson injury. We'd again we'd spoken to people not long before that, and the idea at that stage was probably bring in two permanent signings. Uh, a forward, a young forward, you would descri- you would say, and possibly a midfielder as well. And then in the end, going all in on Isak meant that they, although they kept looking, uh, particularly for loans, it made it more difficult to do it. But I think that's, I mean, we've talked about Isak as a player and why that's very encouraging. It's also very encouraging that there, there was that fluidity, that because one, you know, that they were able to react to an event and change where they looked at next. And in fact, that's a story of what's happened throughout the summer that um, I think Eddie Howe talked about. You start the window with one plan and you end up with another. And that's just that's just the way it goes sometimes. There was none of that sort of religious, rigorous, we've got one idea, we've got one player and we stick to it. And if it doesn't work, that's the end of it. They they switched it, switched things around. Yeah. Chris, is there, is there a feeling that, that Newcastle have been left slightly short across the middle of the pitch? I mean, obviously we've got injuries in there. John Joel Shelby, Bruno's uh, missed a few games and obviously it's provided opportunities for the likes of Elliot Anderson and Sean Longstaff. But is there a feeling that Newcastle might still be a bit light across there? Yeah, I mean, we said at the start of the window, Newcastle are going to try and sign between four and six players. They got four in the end. We know the two positions that they missed out on were they wanted another wide forward, ideally. Eddie Howe wanted someone else in that position. And also, by the end of the window, once John Joe Shelby had been ruled out for three months, midfield had become a bit more of a priority because although they have those players you mentioned that they they do Eddie Howe does play with three midfielders and yeah. you just have to look across the Premier League I, I asked Howe about this this morning the number of injuries 
clubs are having in midfield at the moment because of the number of games and also the how intense how intensely Newcastle are playing. You just have to think of the ground that Joe Linton and Joe Willock have covered over the last yeah, few games and absolutely. think about how their bodies must be sort of stretched and, and that they must probably be on the edge of, of nearly being being uh, on that danger zone that's sometimes called in terms of getting an injury. And so midfield was what they looked for in the last couple of days of the window. They were pushing, looked at several different things. Yuri Tillemans came back up in, in conversation. They're the Douglas Louise, um, George mentioned Andy Maitland-Niles earlier in the week. They also, Conor Gallagher, they still had an interest in. Um, Leander Dundonker at Wolves. These are all players who Newcastle at least considered in some sort of capacity. And for whatever reason, they decided against doing deals or couldn't get them done. And so, yeah, I think how ideally would have liked another midfielder there. Because he's going to, Shelby is now likely to be in the squad. It hasn't been announced at this moment in time. But he isn't going to be available for most of the first half of the season. Everything that Chris says is is totally right. They looked they looked at all those players. What I would say is that, you know, what that now does is it does provide an opportunity for the people who are still there. And uh, you know, as mentioned at the start, but you know, if Sean Longstaff plays like he played at Anfield, then Newcastle, you know, have have a have a have a really really good player there. Now I know Sean gets gets stick sometimes, but not only for the pass for the goal, but his all round performance was excellent. Elliot Anderson at the end of last season, how obviously wanted to have a look at him, but I think the likelihood at that point of him going from League Two to the Premier League was unlikely. However, the impact he's made, firstly in training, then pre season, then in those cameos we've seen him play, so encouraging. So that's a player that arguably Newcastle didn't expect to have in their first team squad a few months ago that's very encouraging too and I'm you know I'm chuffed to bits uh, that he you know that that pathway is going to stay open uh, for him and so what now they have to do is they have to be able to do that on a consistent basis one of the great stories uh, post Eddie Howe's arrival has been how everybody has raised their game you know raised their game and been encouraged by the players who've come in they now will have a chance to do the same thing. And there has been some outgoings as well, Chris. I don't know, probably the, the, the biggest uh, outgoing has been Martin Dubravka, who maybe is a little bit too keen to go and play four Europa League games for Man United. It's, it's a funny one, that, isn't it? Because he doesn't seem prepared to sit on the bench at Newcastle behind Nick Pope, but he seems quite happy to go and sit on the bench at Man United. What's the story there? This one seems to have split Newcastle fans, and I know some are, there's, are very frustrated about the fact that he's gone. I, I know others wish him well. I certainly wish him well because he's been excellent for Newcastle United since he's been at them I think this is one where Eddie Howe maybe misjudged a little bit how um, I think it would affect Dubravka to be dropped I think he didn't realise because Howe himself has said quite a few times he he, he wanted to keep Dubravka and he didn't he didn't want to lose him but Dubravka was keen to go once Manchester United came in for him and I know that some people are saying well why would you choose to be number two somewhere else first of all there is the Manchester United factor as frustrating as some people may hear from that Manchester United to someone who grew up in Slovakia I'm sure is a huge draw second of all he is likely to play a bit more there with with them being the Europa League and also I do think it is different to change from being number one and be dropped to be number two, to go in somewhere to be number two. I think that change in squad status is something which Dubravka has struggled to, to deal with mentally. Mm. I don't think he wants to be in that position, having been demoted almost. To go somewhere else and know you are number two is slightly different. So that's where I think all of this has come about. I think his nose was put out of joint by Pope usurping him uh, into the team. And that's maybe one where 
Howe probably didn't necessarily see what was going to come from that and would have ideally liked to keep him, but Dubravka himself was keen to, to go elsewhere. It's a shame to see him go, George, isn't it? He's been a big name for Newcastle and, and he's put in some stellar performances over the years as well. And it's, uh, you know, our paths may cross again. It is a loan deal, but you never know. It could be the end for Martin Dubravka and Newcastle United. Yeah, yeah. You know, want to pay want to pay tribute to him. He's been an, he's been an excellent servant. I mean, uh, you know, just go back to when Nick Pope signed. I think a few of us scratched our heads a little mm, bit. It's like, yeah. mm, 20 million quid spending on a keeper is a but. Pope has been has proved to be a big upgrade. There was no easy way back for Dubravka. I think Chris's reading of that is right. I you know I don't have any mixed feelings. I wish him I wish him well, and the same goes to to the other players who've left this summer. Yeah. I have to say, you know, a, a, a big thank you and uh, to Federico Fernandez who who went on transfer deadline day again. He's been yeah, has been very important. But then brilliant you, pro, yeah, brilliant brilliant pro. And you look at you know you look at all the players who've gone during the window. Matty Longstaff, Isaac Hayden, Dwight Gale, Kieran Clark. There's a there's a there's a big you know there's a big there's a big shift there. And getting you know getting rid that's 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 that that isn't the right phrase. You know, moving those players on, giving them an opportunity to yeah. go somewhere else and play is a very important and good for them. It's also really important for the squad to be recycling those players eventually, and also just not to have them hanging around anymore. So. You know, in the in the event Newcastle have been left with a twenty six players for a twenty five man squad, we know that Shelby's injured. We know that Cher is injured at the minute. Uh, Elliot Anderson doesn't count because he's under twenty one. That's now a tight squad. There's not going to be a disaffected rump. Um, you know, the players who were left out in January to give them credit were were all seen as being very very professional and trained with the first team squad. That kind of situation can't last. That can't last forever and be healthy. So I think they've done very well to get to get players out the door too. Absolutely. Trimming the fat off the squad has been something which has been a bit of a problem for Newcastle, hasn't it, Chris? And Dan Ashworth, since coming in, seems to have a very sort of focused uh, way of doing this. And he's gotten he's managed to get some of those names out of the out of that squad to, to reduce the numbers a bit. And you have to say it's the it's the first time in a while I've thought, actually, we've done a pretty good job of moving players on. They, they did, and I mean they didn't actually get any money really for, for most of them, and they are paying significant portions of, of the wages of a large part of them but equally you don't want those those players necessarily to be around just because to have too many numbers around of them be trained within the 23s or unhappy because they're not playing that was something they had to do in the second half of last season with with the likes of of Kieran Clark and Jamal Lewis but instead Lewis has been reintegrated in the squad and that is that is fascinating of its own accord and pre-season he was seen as at the, at the start of it, he was going to be given opportunity, and he came back flying. Was one of the was one of the uh, words that someone used to me to describe how he was. And then, unfortunately, he's been struck by injuries again. So, Newcastle have uh, this twenty five man squad between now and January, and then I am sure they are going to try and strengthen further. Then, as I've said already, with the likes of Pedro, possibly someone like Madison Harrison's going to be in the final eighteen months of his deal if he doesn't sign new contract. These are players Newcastle like, and will probably still be tracking. Um, and looking to maybe strengthen those, some of those positions, we think they're still a little bit short. And the other thing to add is that, that you know the people we spoke to did say said very much if there's something there to be done in January, they'll do it. You know there is that recognition that it's not a great window, but at the same time, I think this window has, has you know has also proved very tough, um, and they've come through it very well. So that's it's important that they leave themselves wriggle room for for January, and they've done that. Absolutely. So overall, chaps, how do we rate Newcastle's business in this window? Let's say marks out of 10, George, what do we think? 
Oh blimey! I mean, I think it's I think it's another I think it's another excellent window. Marks out of ten. I mean, I think it's eight or nine for me. I mean, they haven't done everything that they could have done, but at the same time, they've shown that they can move around and they can be flexible and they can change when circumstances change. I think the important thing that everybody's they've they've brought in. Um, there is that there's, there's a lovely phrase that is being used at the club, which is called "It's not about sell on value; it's push on value." That they're bringing people in who can help push the club forward. I love that idea. So whether it's Bruno in January, whether it's Botman, whether it's Isak, there is that sense that they're buying in players who will have their best years at the club and will help the club develop and grow. And another thing that's been taking place that we haven't mentioned is that there's also been that move to bring in young players too, to help restock the club's academy so that they can start, you know, to pump prime that. So eventually Newcastle are producing their own players too. I think it's been an excellent window. So I'm going to give it eight or nine. Fair play. Chris, I have to agree with George. I would say it's been a very good window. There's been a few times when it's maybe looked like Newcastle's targets have been getting away from them, but with the signing of Isak at the end, I think it kind of pushes the overall score for the window up to maybe an eight, I would say. What, what about you? What do you think? Yeah, I'm torn between a seven and an eight. I, I say that because... So negative, over- Chris. So negative. The, the, what a negative well, note. I, I'm looking at it back at the, the, the plan going into the window and the idea at the start was to... A large part of it was to address Newcastle's attack. And the players they've signed, I think, are very, very good. And the fact that they've managed to get Isak in the end and spend a club record fee to get him when they didn't think he was attainable probably does push it up to an eight. But really, they wanted at least two attacking players and they didn't quite do that. Obviously, the, the midfielder in the end, that was a change intact throughout the window. So I And also, Dubravka leaving when really it seems that Howe thinks now he's been left maybe goalkeeper short... I'm torn between a seven and eight. I will go for an eight in the end, but I do think, it, like any transfer window, there, there were positives and negatives about what Newcastle have been able to achieve. I think Isak pushes it up, yeah. to, but I do think they are one attacking player short. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. So then, chaps, with all this uh, talk of transfers and windows, etc., we've uh, we've taken our eye off the ball slightly, and there is actually a game of football to be played on Saturday uh, with Crystal Palace coming to St James's Park. Uh, as far as injuries go, Chris, obviously we've been missing some key players recently. How are we looking with regards to Bruno St Maximan at all? Well, Bruno Gimaraes and Al St Maximan. How suggested that they might be involved tomorrow, but he was sort of. I don't think they will. I don't think either of them are going to be back for this game. I think it's probably next weekend. 
Um, Callum Wilson, he says, is slightly behind those two, so I think you're talking another week or two probably for him. Alexander Isak, who did uh, suffer that dead leg, Howe said he was very hopeful that he would, he certainly hopes that he will be involved, so I think that, that I think hopefully he will, he will make his home debut. And also Nick Pope, who seemed to suffer a bit of dizziness at Anfield, Howe says that he's fine and will be available. So, yes, it's pretty much... The squad who went to Anfield on Wednesday, that is the squad Newcastle have to choose from for the Palace game. A lot of games in a short space of time, George, and, and obviously we worry about the injuries uh, mounting up. And Patrick Vieira has got Palace playing some nice football as well. They're a, they're a decent team. Yeah, and you know, from from this point onwards, you look at the run of games Newcastle have, and they look pretty, you know, they look pretty inviting. If you then compare that to having, you know, City and Liverpool in the first batch of games, you would like a win at this point. I mean, a because you just would, but also because I think I think another three points would be a fairer sort of reflection of Newcastle's start to the season. Because although they drew against City. And they've had a couple of very good away draws, certainly in terms of you know picking up those points. They've not won a league match since the first day of the season. And I think you know I think a win over Palace would be more reflective of the way they've played. Then it's West Ham. That's a tricky away game, but home games against Bournemouth, Brentford, and away game at Fulham. There's a real chance I think to sort of cement this start to the season. As you say, it's been bruising. They look very tired at Anfield. I thought, but these games from this point are then one a week and so that gives them a bit of time hopefully a bit of time to get on the training pitch and recover so it feels to me like a sort of tomorrow's a day for a deep breath and gritting the teeth and getting through it hopefully getting a win and then uh, very much looking forward to them having some time and um, picking things up right in the chaps let's round things off Remember, you can go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod for access to all of our great writing as well as ad-free versions of The Athletic's podcast at just £1 per month for the first six months. So check out that offer now. The transfer window has closed. That's it. Newcastle have done their business until January and a new club record signing is through the door. Alexander Isak starts off in great fashion with a goal at Anfield. Let's see what he can do against Crystal Palace at the weekend. Thanks a lot for joining me, George and Chris, as always. And thank you to you lot out there for listening. From everyone at Pod on the Time, we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. St James's Park. Uh, Have we gone. lost George again? No, he's oh, there. He's he was just looking oh, down. Oh, sorry, he seemed to be frozen. Sorry, sorry, he seemed to be frozen. Oh, <laughs> I was very, I was very still. It looked like one of them waxworks for a second. That was good. Yeah. So with all the uh, with all the transfer, ch- <laughs> that is terrifying. Yeah. You done? Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay. <laughs> the Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.